So, we're back. Barbacoa, Big Red, basketball, completing the over-unders with the second half of the Western Conference. And we are starting off, we finished with Denver, and we're going now to Minnesota. Minnesota, clearly much better. They really shake things up around the draft with their trade for Jimmy Butler. Um, They traded away Zach Levine, Chris Dunn. Uh, Let's see... Uh, they lost Ricky Rubio. Well, they traded Ricky Rubio to the Jazz. Uh, let go of Shabazz Muhammad, Adrian Payne, Brandon Rush, Omri Caspi, and Jordan Hill. But they also gained Jeff Teague, Taj Gibson, and Jamal Crawford, along with their rookie Justin Patton. This is a really fucking huge over-under leap from last year. I think this may be the biggest one from the prior year i think it's the biggest one they went 31 and 51 and the over under is 48 and a half so 18 wins better is this team 18 wins better yes Ooh. done we're done with this podcast Ooh. absolutely there's Ooh. no way that they're not Ooh. that is a will darnell guarantee explain yourself will darnell um so in short they are better at every position i include wiggins yeah. and towns in that because i think that they're going to just be naturally better i know towns is going to be better yeah wiggins might be as good as he can be now but he's now the third best player on the team yeah or he now he doesn't have to be more than the third best player on the team and that's fine yeah that is true uh, do, so you don't think it stunts Wiggins in any way that Butler's around? Because they kind of play the same way. I think it makes it easier on Wiggins. Will it, like, put a hit to his ego that he's very clearly not the second best player on the team now? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it naturally will. Yeah, and then Carl Anthony Towns. He's, I mean, I don't know what, what to say because, I mean, it's... It should be obvious. He's going to be a lot better. He might end up being the best big man in the league overall. And, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler. We haven't even gotten around to how big of an addition Jimmy Butler is for this team. Um, he Is he the best player right now on the team? Right now. I'd say right now he is. Yeah, I mean, and that's with... I mean, Carl Anthony Towns was already pretty fucking good last year. Yeah, And they, they added another all-star, another guy who... Doesn't shoot that well, but is guaranteed to play all NBA defense, and he can still score. He would average. He he can easily put up like twenty points a game. And they added Jeff Teague, who's a pretty solid point guard, given what the rest of the starting lineup is going to be. He's he'll play his role perfectly fine. Was going to be Teague, Butler, Wiggins, uh, Towns. Who who's Gibson? Gibson Gibson yeah Taj Gibson too. Who was perfectly fine in Oklahoma City after all the time in Chicago. He was fine. Yeah. I guess uh, I guess the only thing that I'm worried about... Not really worried, but I guess I kind of naturally feel worried about teams that make this big leap because I think to myself, they have already... They've basically constructed the roster the way it's going to be for the next few years. And I think to myself, like, there's, there's not much more they can do. This is their group of players, and is is that enough to make the leap to at least 49 wins and they take the over? I think the my main concern is probably that they only really have seven guys, seven proven guys, because the two guys off the bench that they can actually count on are Georgie Dang and Jamal Crawford. Um, 
Tyus Jones has not proven to be an NBA player yet. Nope. Uh, Marcus George Hunt played five games, apparently, for the Magic last year. Yeah. I, they have no depth. And Nemanja Bialica, is yeah. that his name? Um, yeah. he, did he just come over this year, or has he already been in the NBA? No, he's been in the NBA. Okay, so that tells you what you need to know about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're obviously going to be way better, but they still need a bit more depth. Because, like, I mean, if you're trying to make 49 wins in the West, you you just need depth, and plain and simple. Um, who knows if Jamal Crawford takes a step back? I mean, he's pretty old. He's 38 years old? Something like that. He's old <laughs> as fuck. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go under. going to go under. Okay, so I think the fact that they lost Omri Caspi, I know he only played in like 13 or 14 games last season, but he would be the perfect bench guy to play behind Wiggins and Butler. Like, you could just slide him right in. Oh, yeah. You could occasionally put him at like small ball four and just rolled with that fucking unit. And now they yeah. like, they need a guy like that. Maybe not specifically Omri Caspi. But they need someone that they can just put in. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be players around uh, the waving time of the season, around March, whenever veterans get let go to pursue uh, like a deeper run in the playoffs. They should be in that mix. They need one more guy, at the very least, one more guy. A guy who they might be able to get like midseason, we talked about earlier, is like the potential for like a George Hill type to become available. Like, oh, George yeah. Hill would be a great guy oh, to add man. to that wing Oh, that, that would be amazing. If they got George Hill, that would be awesome. The perfect, actual perfect six-man for this team is Trevor Ariza, but you can have him with <laughs> <my> Colton body. <laughs> it's never happening. You can have Ryan Anderson, though. Close out to Ryan Anderson. <laughs> There's a Ryan Anderson reference coming I soon. think Tom Thibodeau's heart would literally explode the first time that he watched Ryan Anderson get blown by a three-point He would throw a chair at him like Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Thibodeau would be in federal prison if he had to spend five minutes coaching Ryan <laughs> Okay, and I'm also just really glad that they got away from Levine and Dunn. Like, they could not have came out, like, they could not have made a better deal for, for Jimmy Butler than getting rid of Levine and Dunn, because, I mean, I'm just not that high on Dunn at all. And Levine, I love him, but I just don't think his fit was all that great in Minnesota. I think that he needs to... Given his talent level, I think he needed the opportunity to emerge elsewhere. Uh, they really need to make sure that they re-sign Shabazz Muhammad. Um, assuming he still is a free agent. I haven't heard anything about him. Okay, I th- he- so uh, from what I'm reading um, right now in my quick Google search, <laughs> quick fingers over here, they extended a qualifying offer to him, and he has yet to accept it. Yeah. But that's like that's a very easy guy to slot in. He already knows the system. He knows the town. He knows Thibodeau. Like... That's 10 points per game right there from last year that you could easily slide in as the backup to Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Especially at the qualifying offer. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a good stopgap option. But um, aside from that, so you're going over and I'm going under. I don't think they're going to be that far under. I think they're. this is a really good line for them because I think they'll be at like... I think a good season for them would be like 47 wins. I think that they finish fourth or fifth, and then they beat Oklahoma City in the playoffs. <laughs> oh my god, if only I had my air horn ready for that one, because goddamn. And speaking of which, we got OKC up next, which 
may have been the biggest trade of the year, of the summer at least, getting Paul George for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. They lost Taj Gibson, just as we've said, to Minnesota, but they also added Patrick Patterson, Raymond Felton, and they drafted Terrence Ferguson. Their, their record last year, 47-35, and 35, and the over-under is 51.5. So, my question to you, Will Darnell, does how does Westbrook look with another all-star around him again? All right, just give me a one minute to just look like Kermit the Frog and drink my big red. Right <laughs> He's drinking. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows the answer to this question. I People will obviously point to, oh, well, he played with a superstar for the first seven years or eight years of his career. Yeah. That's completely different. Like, he grew up playing with Kevin Durant and James Harden and Serge Ibaka and even fucking Jeff Green back then. Those are guys that he knew when he was 19 and he was a rookie in the NBA. Yeah, it's different. That is not the same thing as I just won MVP with a 41 usage rate, Russell Westbrook suddenly having another top 10 NBA player on my team. That's not the same deal. And Paul George has never had to be the second best player on a team. So you're skeptical. <laughs> so I think a succinct way to would describe it is that I have a ton of salt for Russell Westbrook. Honestly. I love, I love Kickstarter energy drinks. <laughs> but I'm like, I think, I think expecting them to come out of the gate with a ton of chemistry is not something that you should rely on. And Paul George is used to being the guy to shoot, the guy to create the shot. Yeah. And Russell Westbrook is not gonna. He's not gonna do that. <laughs> Okay, um, I am a believer in the George Westbrook duo working out, and my motivation for saying that, what I think their motivation is, is free agency coming up next year, and I'll get into another player who, along those lines in San Antonio, coming up next, but for <laughs> OKC, I'm thinking to myself, Westbrook and George are going to be free agents next summer. George... I mean, they're both getting the max regardless, but George needs to have a good year to show that he can mesh well with whatever other stars that they're gonna that he's gonna have on his next team. If the whole Lakers thing happens with LeBron, I mean, he needs to show that he can work with another star, so it makes sense to pair him up with LeBron. And with Westbrook, wherever he goes, he needs to make it obvious that he can work in a different environment with a with a roster overhaul like they're working here he he needs to show that he's amenable to team changes no team i mean someone is of course someone's going to sign him to a max but teams are going to be wary about him if they think the only way that he can thrive is if he's the clear best player by a very wide margin like he was last year i think they're going to make it work because they have to make it work so i think there is absolutely a ton of merit that very salient point that John just made. But my counterpoint is that Paul George could play like a mix between Sean Paul and George from Seinfeld for the entire fucking 82-game season, and still every single team in the NBA would offer him a max contract. There's nothing that he can do in lieu of breaking his leg again that will change his his like contract prospects. I, I just don't see it. So then what... So then what should George do this year? I mean, I agree with you that, I mean, we see players get max contracts after torn ACLs and Achilles and stuff. So it's proven that Paul George is going to get a max regardless. So what what does he do for a whole year? Is this just 
is he just waiting for this whole year to pass? Is is there like nothing for him to look forward to this year? I think that it's really difficult to say with Russell Westbrook. Like, is is Westbrook going to be as motivated as he was last season? Because last season was Durant said "fuck you," went to the Warriors. Obviously, Durant doesn't characterize <laughs> but that's how that's how Westbrook played last season. Especially yeah. for the first half of the season, he wouldn't yeah. talk to Durant. He would dog him in the press, the cupcake yeah. thing, all that. Yeah, like he doesn't have that chip anymore. He won the MVP trophy. Yeah, he did just about as well as any player could after losing their main. Did his team get absolutely fucking clowned in the playoffs? Yes, they did. They, they did. did. The Rockets played about as dog shit as you could possibly play in that playoff series and still resoundingly beat the Thunder. I have more confidence in Westbrook trying to make it work than I do George. I'm worried about George because everybody knows that he is very interested in the Lakers. And regardless... I don't know what has to happen for him to stay in OKC. Like I think that the only, that what the minimum has to happen for him to stay in OKC is that they have to compete with the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I think if they can make it a competitive series, I think that's the minimum of what has to happen for him to consider staying in OKC. So given that, I'm worried that he may kind of just mail it in during the regular season. Not mail it in, but just just not try that hard because he doesn't plan on staying. Um, I totally agree with you. I think the only way he considers staying is if they can get to the Western Conference Finals, and I don't see it. I think, like Paul George's dick, it's going to be a long season. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other person that they did add that I want to talk about, and it's not Fat Raymond Felton, because <laughs> that, I mean that, that's a fine move. That it's is a fine, a fine move. But Patrick Patterson, who is great. He's a great player he if is. everyone turns their back and doesn't watch him be great. And no <laughs> one tells him he's doing a good job, and there's no pressure on him whatsoever, and no one's mean to him. And so yeah. none of those things are going to happen because Paul George and Russell Westbrook are notorious for barking at their teammates. I agree with that. Uh, I think my my optimism with Patrick Patterson is that he fits in incredibly well with this starting lineup, which is going to be Westbrook, Robertson, George, Patterson, and Steven Adams. And he fits that role as the stretch for perfectly. And if there's going to be someone that's going to be shit on in OKC, they already have that guy in Andre Robertson because <laughs> he can't do anything on offense except hit the occasional quarter, corner three. So... I think they're going to be more pissed off. <laughs> so I think that he'll benefit from just not having any attention on him and shoot threes when he's open. Yeah. So if it goes perfectly and George and Westbrook really get along and there's chemistry and they're winning lots of games, my counterpoint to all that is their best reserve is is either Raymond Felton, Ennis Cantor, or Doug fucking McDermott. Like, those are their best backups. Douglas McBuckets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zero, and I mean actually zero, zero depth. Ennis Cantor in the playoffs was a black hole, just I, like he has been every year of his career. I don't, I disagree with zero depth, but there's like a, not clearly, there's clearly not a good sixth man, but I think they have a good mix of seventh and eighth men. A good, good guys that should not be the best player off the bench, but should be the second or third best player. I like Cantor, I like McDermott, I like Alex Abrinas. I like Jeremy Grant. Raymond Felton's a decent backup option, but none of those guys you want being the punch off the bench. I get you, but what I'm thinking is like the same thing that happened in the playoffs last year to Oklahoma City is if Westbrook and George are not staggered in their minutes, 
then the Rockets and the Warriors and the Spurs and even the Timberwolves this year are just going to do – they're going to be like the Kyle Lowry with the bench units uh, of the Raptors from last year and just absolutely <laughs> shit on this team in plus minus. <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I can't really argue with that. But uh, on top of all of that, I, I'm a believer in OKC and I'm going to go over. So the line's 51 and a half. I'm going to go over also. Oh, okay. I just don't think that there are going to be good teams. The Clippers fell off. The Jazz, obviously, are going to fall off. Yeah. I have high hopes for the Timberwolves. Yeah. But I, I think the Timberwolves are going to make their games ugly and that they're going to be the new Grizzlies. Yeah. So yeah. somebody's got to win games, and Paul George is wet as fuck. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, still, they're still really athletic. They still have... I don't think people have talked enough about how good of a defense this team can be. If Westbrook tries. If Westbrook tries, even if he is the worst defender of the starting lineup, and I think that is not bad at all. So they're definitely going to be annoying to play against. Yeah, they are. I can see them just shitting on everyone who they should be blowing out, and then giving not winning that many games, but still giving all the better teams a good run and making it very nasty, ugly games throughout the whole 48 minutes. Yeah, if this team decides to run out in transition, look out. It's going to be a dunk yeah. massacre on yep. most teams in the league. But yeah. I, I say over. I think they're going to be good. Yeah, me too. Okay, so finally, back-to-back, back, we're getting to the two teams that motivated us to start this podcast. Woo! Up first, San Antonio by Spurs. Went 61-21 and 21 last year, and now they are slated at 54.5. For the over-under, they lost Jonathan Simmons to the Magic, Dwayne Dedman to the Hawks, David Lee hasn't been signed, Tony Parker's going to miss most of the year because of a quad tear, and they added Rudy Gay, Joffrey Laverne, and two rookies, Derek White and Brandon Paul. And I think as far as the regular season goes... The big question is if DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills replace Tony Parker enough to make it look like they haven't skipped a beat. I think it's possible. I am, I understand people's skepticism of DeJounte Murray, but I'm also just going to be a huge stan of him this year because <laughs> I think that he has the potential to be one of the next great point guards, but that just may be my homerism talking. And Patty Mills is going to keep being Patty Mills, which is a very good to great bench player. The Spurs confuse me. <laughs> it's where I want to start. They confuse me. <laughs> Somehow, Manage Nobly blocks James Harden. <laughs> the Rockets blow that game and then don't make the Western Conference Finals. And I still, like, I've seen that game, like, three or four times. And I still don't understand how they lost. The worst part, <laughs> the worst part on my end, on the Spurs' end, the worst part of that series was that I was not able to watch the final game with Will to shit on him <laughs> the whole time. Game six happened during my graduation from Year of Age. So my family was here, and I watched the game with them in a hotel room that night. I spent my graduation night watching the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard shit all over the Rockets. <laughs> and it was the greatest thing. But yes, aside from that... They it, was, it was inexplicable, and that's the only word for it. It... It defied all logic and reason. Everybody realizes why the Rockets lost the final game of that series, and that's because James Harden didn't show up, yeah. which we're going to get to when we talk about Houston. But the game before that, 
every guy on the Rockets looked shook the entire game. Yeah. And, I mean, does that carry over for San Antonio? Because Jonathan Simmons and Dwayne Dedman were, were key yeah. in that series. Yeah. And those are two big, like, utility-style guys that it's difficult to replace. But they seem to just turn these fucking guys out. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense. What I, I, I have one very serious and very sincere question for you. Okay. Is this the year that Kyle Anderson makes a leap? <laughs> John has been telling me about Kyle Anderson and how he's going to make a leap since they drafted this fuckboy out of UCLA when we were that, in college. <laughs> that might be the most confusing thing about this. And of, of everything that's going on, I still, after three years, do not know if Kyle Anderson is good or not. <laughs> the answer, no. I don't know why he's still on the roster. Obviously, this is his final year. Okay, Popovich obviously <laughs> might think he's good. I don't know. But the real the real big question is the same as it was last year. And is that... Is LaMarcus Aldridge gonna play? This is what I was talking about in OKC when I said that I think they're gonna make it work because they have to. I think it's the exact same situation with LaMarcus Aldridge. I think it's even more on LaMarcus Aldridge to make it work than it is on Westbrook or George and OKC because he's also a free agent after next year and he has not looked... He's been he's been pretty good for the Spurs, but he has not looked anything like Blazers' LaMarcus Aldridge. No, and his, that guy was scary as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that guy actually made his mid-range jumpers, which is like his whole... The success of his career is based on, and he... This is the year that he has to put it together, because he's going to be a free agent, and I think it's pretty obvious that he wants to get out of San Antonio, but he needs to have a good year so someone can give him a good contract next summer. Because unlike George and Westbrook, who are still going to be in their primes on their next contract... Aldridge seems like he's past that, so he needs to show that he can still be a very good, very reliable second or third uh, star on a team. And the Marcus Aldridge, because worst case scenario, worst case scenario for both teams, I think it's best for for both the Spurs and Aldridge to move on after next year. And the worst case scenario is that Lamarcus Aldridge continues to decline. And he has no choice but to opt into his deal. And then we're stuck with one more year of Aldridge, which Aldridge would also hate. He doesn't want to stay here. So I think he's going to make it work because he has to. So I have two two other things I want to talk about and then a conspiracy theory. Okay. But first, I'll say that I definitely agree with you that it's best for Aldridge and the Spurs for Aldridge to play good so they can get rid of him. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that he's actually washed. Because he's got so many miles on his body. He's been playing in the NBA since he was 19. He only played one year in college. Yeah. And they just worked him in Portland. Yeah. Two other points. Danny Green is in a contract year. Danny Green is going to line it up this season That's... to sucker someone into paying him. He's in... I love... One of my favorite things about this Danny Green contract is that when we signed him to it those years ago... Uh, that was the same year that DeMar Carroll got $15 million a year, and then Danny Green accepted $10 million a year from us. And everyone was like, how the hell did Danny Green only get $10 million a year? And then after all these years, it's like, you know what? $10 million sounds appropriate for Danny $10 Green. $10 million sounds high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other thing is, I think that 
the Spurs are going to do their typical witchcraft, their Bill Belichickian Patriots <laughs> witchcraft, and Rudy Gay is somehow going to miraculously a play and b is going to suddenly be good. I know Rudy Gay is a good player and he's got a lot of positive qualities, but he did rupture his Achilles. Yeah, and he's not supposed to be able to play anymore after that. Ask Wesley Matthews. <laughs> Yeah, he's been he's been working out over the summer. He looks good to go for the year, and so annoying. <laughs> got him essentially for free. And with Rudy Gay, I'm much more concerned than Lamarcus Aldridge because Lamarcus Aldridge, at least at his best, looked like a really goddamn good player that anybody would have welcomed on their team. And Rudy Gay, at his best, was very good at very individualized things that made you think. He's a really awesome player, and I don't want to play against him, but I'm just glad that he's not on our team because he seems pretty toxic. So, not only does Rudy Gay need to play well, but he also needs to show the rest of the league that he's a changed man, and I'm not sure if Rudy Gay is. Definitely, I think that that's going to go a long way to whether or not they can get anywhere close to scaling the heights that they had last season. But my conspiracy theory now. Okay, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory o'clock. John, please get the horn ready for after I say this. Pulling it up. Peter Holt is the owner of the Spurs. Yes, he is. Peter Holt is the NBA's foremost Donald Trump supporter. Sadly, yes. I don't think that the Spurs are going to have any finals-type success while Donald Trump is in the office. (laughs) Because fuck Peter Holt. (laughs) I mean, I <laughs> at least Peter Holt has been able to hold back his racism <laughs> and let the Spurs succeed, but... Inexplicable. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying that, but all these things are inexplicable in the NBA. But, um, I just, I mean, I mean, it goes without saying that it's hard for anyone to win while Golden State is around, but this seems like such a stopgap year for the Spurs like I'm gonna keep watching but it's it's weird to watch them knowing that this particular set of players isn't gonna if they ever do get back to championship level status like I'm thinking to myself like for when that time comes it's gonna be weird watching them for the time being because this is not the group of players that it's going to be yeah. I don't think it's gonna include the Marcus Aldridge I don't think it's gonna include Rudy Gay um or Tony Parker if he can even come back I don't I, I don't know um I do like uh, if anything, I'm going to be watching them because I want to see all the young guys get better. I think Davis Bertans is fucking badass. <laughs> I think... Uh, he's casual name drop of a player no one has ever heard of. <laughs> he's... Oh, you, you're going to hear about him. <laughs> he's a very, very good stretch, man, stretch four. Did he go to Barber College like Jonathan Simmons? <laughs> no, he's not. He No, he didn't. He played in Latvia and is missing a piece of his left index finger, I think. And One it's somehow, from deep on the Spurs bench. <laughs> and is somehow still an extremely good shooter. And uh, as, as boring as, as, like, minute as it may sound, I'm interested in seeing if Kyle Anderson is a good player. I like the pick of Derek White. Brandon Paul is looking like he... They're hoping that he's the next Jonathan Simmons. Not that he plays like him, but that he is an old rookie who came to the NBA in an unconventional way. He played in Europe. Uh, He's been in Europe for the past few years, has made a reputation as a good all-around player in Europe, and then lit it up in Summer League, and then the Spurs gave him a deal. So... Um. To bring it back to things that, like, even, like, normal, hardcore NBA fans don't care about, (laughs) Um, we haven't talked at all about Kawhi Leonard or Greg Popovich. Obviously, the reason we haven't talked about them is because we expect Kawhi Leonard to be 
either the best or second or third best player in the NBA. Yeah. And Greg Popovich is definitely, without a doubt, the best coach in NBA history, in my opinion. But do you think that Kawhi Leonard finally gets over the hump and wins MVP this season? I think that it's going to be a whole lot harder. I don't know if he will, but I think it's going to be a whole lot harder to say no to him this year than it was last year. I think, what what was he last year? He was like consensus, like number four and number five, something like that. I think like. three or four. He, he was like clearly behind Westbrook and Harden and then arguably behind LeBron and Durant. I think that he was like, I think he was closer to the top of the second heap than the bottom. I think it's, I think, I don't think Westbrook is going to repeat. I think... Harden is still going to be as good, but have but cool down a bit now that Chris Paul is there. And I think the MVP race is going to be between him, LeBron, Durant, maybe Giannis. And I, I think at the very least, he's going to be... The conversation at the end of the year is going to be something like Kawhi or Durant, or Kawhi or LeBron. Something like, He's going to be there. He's going to have much more of a presence in the MVP race than he did last year. I agree. I, th- I think that he finally wins it, but I think the over-under is 54.5. I just can't imagine the Spurs winning less games than that, so I'm going to go over just for that sheer reason that they somehow won 61 games last year. Yeah, I thought they were going to be way worse last year. It was the year after losing Tim Duncan, and they still won 61 games, and 54.5 is bizarrely low. I, yeah, yeah, they may take a step back, but that's... The step back will show up in other ways besides their regular season record. I think if anything, we see it in the playoffs like we did a few years ago when they lost to the Clippers in the first round. And then when they lost to the Thunder in the second round. That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) I intended that to be rude just for everyone listening. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, I'm going over as well. Okay, Houston. I'll let you do the honors as the Houston fan of this podcast. Okay, just like first, like a little bit of preamble here. I watched the Clutch City VHS tape <laughs> with my brother that came out in 1994 when I was seven years old. Or uh, I guess it came out in 1995, so I might have been eight Are you talking about seven. watching it back then or now? Uh, back then. Okay. Back then. I watched it. We watched it, my brother and I, so many times that the tape stopped working. We had more than one copy of it where the tape broke. Um, so my earliest memories are of Akeem, the dream, Elijah one. I wish he was still in the NBA. If he was in the NBA right now, he would be the best player. What is he doing? Is he just an ambassador? Uh, I don't know exactly. He gave a bunch of money for Hurricane Harvey, though. I did see that the other yeah, day. Yeah, that's so, nice. Shout out, shout out to Akeem the Dream. Yeah, Great shout guy. out to everybody helping in Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> yeah, shout out to that. Get the fuck out of here, Harvey. <laughs> fuck out of here, Hurricane. It's a little warming, all that. Yeah. Um, the Rockets, they did some things, y'all. <laughs> First of all, last year they went 55-27. and 27. Um, Third best record in the NBA. They added... The State Farm Man himself, Chris Paul. Absolutely, Woo. hell yeah! I would be. I would <laughs> if you're be excited. not juiced about that, regardless of your like affiliation with the Rockets or Chris Paul, if you like the NBA, you have to be juiced about the prospects of Chris Paul playing for his third NBA team. You have to be. As much as I hate to say it, I am. <laughs> then they added PJ Tucker, who is as hard as fucking nails. <laughs> the one of the most perfect role players on a contending team. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of role players, Luke Richard Mbamute. I fucking hated the signing. (laughs) He hated it because it was good for the Rockets. I was thinking to myself that 
I was thinking once they lost Beverly, like, how they're going to maintain their defense. And I know Chris Paul by himself is a good defender. And I thought, huh, maybe they can be about the same. And then they signed Luke, Richard, and Bob Mute. And I'm like, God damn it. They're going to be and better. <laughs> they're going to be better on offense and defense next year. This is bullshit. Um, rounding it out, they also picked Tariq Black back up, who was originally either he was drafted by the Rockets in the second round or he was. His first NBA stop was Houston. Yeah. And he ended up leaving in one of Daryl Morey's very complicated <laughs> roster moves. I don't remember exactly what happened, but he played last year with the Lakers. He played a lot of minutes last year with the Lakers. Yeah. Because they were they were hot trash. Okay. <laughs> you can't shit on me for talking about Bertans if you're going to spend a minute talking about Tariq Black. <laughs> I'm not even done talking about Tariq Black. Um, so we lost Montrezl Harrell. Um, I'll, I'll get to the rest of the guys they lost. But Tariq Black like directly replaces <laughs> all of that. And then the Rockets brought over Joshi from China, and I mean he's really good against chairs, much like <laughs> um, the Rockets, because of Yao and all of their overseas efforts, still maintain the most popular fan base in China. Yeah, the most popular NBA team over there. So a lot of people cynically think that Joshi is only over here, so we can say Chi on the back of a Rockets jersey, and we can sell a fuckload of jerseys in China. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm going to withhold judgment until I see him suit up for the Rockets, but people are wet about him. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer thinks that he's going to be really good in the NBA. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good with that. The players the Rockets lost. Oh, I have a Rockets Patrick Beverly t-shirt, so I'm really upset they lost Patrick Beverly. I, I understand. Gonna, I was going to say, who are you saddest about losing? Uh, it's definitely Patrick Beverly. He, like, embodied the, like, clutch city, like, strong, resilient spirit of Houston. He really did. But we got Chris Paul back, you know? <laughs> like the top five best point guards of all time. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Ash Beverly, you were great. You're welcome to have Barbacoa and Big Red with us anytime, <laughs> boss. Anytime you want to come over here. This is 94 feet. Have you seen the video of him punching someone during a game in Russia? If you haven't, please go look it up. Oh my god. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I need to <laughs> you watch that. seriously look that up. They also lost Lou Williams, who... Um, we have a friend, Trent. He's going to feature sometime on the podcast. He refers to people as swagger jackers a lot. <laughs> and Lou Williams came in and absolutely swagger jacked Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon was awful after we traded for Lou Williams. I'm so glad that we got the sixth god out of the way so he can yeah. go fill up the stat sheet in hilarious and inane ways in L.A. by Lou Williams. You will not be missed. <laughs> then we lost Sam Decker. It's a good young white player. <laughs> I didn't think he was that good. I think that he was a reasonable facsimile for um, Chandler Parsons, and so people were injecting, like, extra enthusiasm because he, like, seems good. Yeah. But he could hit a corner three, and he was mildly athletic. Doesn't he have back problems or something? He got injured. He was injured a lot during his career, his short career. He also had a wrist injury going to the playoffs, so he didn't get any shine in the playoffs at all. Yeah. Um, and then we lost Montrez Harrell, who, like, he's like poor man's Kenneth Reed, honestly. Yeah. And then Kyle Wittiger... Yeah. I don't know how to say his name. I assumed that he was, like, from Europe, but he's actually Canadian, and we ad-dropped him, essentially, 11 times last season. Hopefully this is the last... <laughs> Our podcast has been the one that has shouted out Kyle Wiltshire the most by far <laughs> in any podcast ever Barbara made. Cole, Big Red Basketball, the official podcast of mentioning Kyle Wiltshire's name. <laughs> Hopefully it's the last time, though. <laughs> uh, then we also lost Bobby Brown, not the dead one, an NBA player. DeAndre Liggins, who also sounds like an R&B singer, and some guy named Darren Hilliard. I don't know why John put that on there. No one has ever heard of that guy. Yeah. If you don't know him, I don't know. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the fuck that is. Um, the Rockets over under is at fifty five and a half. I think that 
just to get it out of the way, the answer is way over. If you think a team I, that added Chris Paul is is not going to win more games than they did last season, that's bullshit. The only, I guess the reason why they put it at that, I would say they think maybe they overachieved a little last year, and also if there's any growing pains at the beginning of the year. Like, how, how, is it, how do you envision Paul and Harden working out? I think that's that's the biggest question with this over-under. If you think it's going to be really well and near the start of the season, then it's over, and if not, under. I think that they will probably play, like, 12 or 14 minutes together per game. Mm-hmm. And other than that, they will just destroy bench units. One guy or the other guy. Yeah. And you say, oh, well, uh, the Rockets improved on defense because they had a P.J. Tucker and Luke and Bahamute, but, I mean, the best defensive player plays the same position as those two guys, and it's Trevor Reza. Luckily, there's a lot of fluidity with those two guys, and they mm-hmm. can, all three of those guys can play small four. Yeah. And so I just don't, like, if Nene can't play well yeah, with right. bench units, then maybe they're in a little bit of trouble. I don't know. I just don't see any of the growing pains or anything like that. Is this team all set besides Paul and Harden? Is there anything else that you're concerned about? Is Eric Gordon going to have a classic Eric Gordon season after having, like, one of the historically best three-point shooting seasons in NBA history? He had a really good year last year. (laughs) He can't be... If he's better than that, then we're going to have a too-many-cooks-in-the-kitchen sort of situation (laughs) going. But... Eric Gordon, if Eric Gordon and Trevor Reza, if they thought they were open last season, it's yeah. about, they're about to be a lot more open. And Ryan Anderson, we haven't mentioned him except to throw him into trade offers, begging every other team to take him. <laughs> but you're going to have to guard the entire Rockets team except for Clint Capella from 30 feet out. Yeah, and that's another good point. If there is a trade with Ryan Anderson to get them Carmelo Anthony, does that only make you think they're going to go even higher, or does that make you think that there will be the growing pains? So the Carmelo thing, we just went like 12 or 13 minutes talking about the Rockets, and we didn't mention the specter of Carmelo Anthony. I don't honestly know if it's a good move or a bad move. I don't think anyone can say for sure, because no one has really seen Carmelo play and play hard. It's been years now since he's really played hard. Yeah. Or had a reason to play hard in the NBA. Yeah. If he is still 89, 90% of what he used to be, even maybe 80%, like that is an unguardable basketball team. If you have Chris Paul, James Harden, Trevor Reza, Carmelo Anthony, and Clint Capella on the floor at the same time, you cannot guard that team. Yeah, that would be pretty <laughs> amazing. So, um, what's best case scenario for you for Houston this year? Best case scenario? Yeah. If they get the one seed and win 70 games. <laughs> Realistically. <laughs> Realistically, best case scenario. Okay, so Chris Paul has missed 10 or 15 games quite a few times in his career. Sometimes yeah. he's missed considerably more time than that. I think yeah. the best case scenario for the Rockets is 65 wins. I don't think yeah. that they get 65. I think they finish with 60, 61 wins. The one thing that I'm dreading about this team is that in the whole Carmelo Anthony thing going on in New York that New York finally relents and just cuts him so he can keep his money and then signs a deal with Houston straight out so they don't have to give anything up to get Carmelo Anthony. And if they stay the same way and sign Carmelo Anthony, I am going to shit myself. (laughs) If that happens, which, I mean, I don't know if people are reporting that that's an option. I think that James Dolan is going to be stubborn until the end and not cut Carmelo Anthony. 
But if they do, and the Rockets add him for the veteran minimum, <laughs> then 65 wins is certainly in play. Absolutely. You have, like, your rotational bench units would at all times feature two of Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony, and Eric Gordon. Those two, two of those four guys would be on the court at all times. Yeah. Which would, I don't know, that's, that's... I can't think of that in the history of the NBA. Even the Warriors can't do that. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. But, so yeah. So, clearly over? Way over. Me too. At least five games over that. Me too. Okay. Golden State, the final team. I fucking hate that we have to talk about <laughs> Golden State. But, okay, they went 67-25. and 25. Their line is 67.5. and a half. They let go of Ian Clark, Matt Barnes, and James Michael McAdoo, and they added Omri Caspi, Nick Young, and rookie Jordan Bell. Um, I don't think there's any question at all about how talented this team is. They just blazed through the playoffs and the finals without much effort. So I guess the question is, do they take the regular season seriously enough to go over 67.5? Okay, so... I think the most important question is the one that you've written here for us on the Google Doc, is how the fuck did they get even better? Oh my god. Like, okay, so even if they don't take the regular season seriously, like, even if they just go out there and they play loose and they play lackadaisical, they're still going to win 70 games. If it doesn't they, matter. If they wanted to, they could sit out one of their stars for every... Just keep a rotation of Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Draymond just taking a game off one by one, and they, would st- they may still beat this over-under. Like... They have a team now that's, they shouldn't be hungry, but they're going to be because Durant just watched Westbrook win an MVP award, so now they're tied. They're tied yeah. with MVPs. Yeah. You think Durant's not going to come into the season motivated? So we're depending on the petty race here. <laughs> <laughs> the petty race, man. Clay Thompson wants that money. <laughs> he does. He does. That is the wrinkle. The wrinkle and the only chance that the rest of the league has is that Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are tired of playing second fiddle. Yeah. That's the only hope that the rest of the league has for even, like, I'm even talking playoffs and finals and all that. The only hope is that those two guys are sick of this shit. I don't think that they are. Me neither. I think that Klay Thompson is like a a once-in-a-generational guy like Tim Duncan or like a Tony Parker or Manny Ginobili where he does not care that he's not getting the attention. He doesn't care that he's not getting all the money. Yeah, like, like, I think he's perfectly fine playing his role, and then whenever they look like they're in trouble, like, in the series against OKC a couple years ago, he's like, alright, I'll make fucking 13 threes in this playoff game that'll knock us out. If I don't do this, I can do that and save us and go on to the finals. He didn't even have a very good year last year, and they strolled to the championship. Yeah. He it, had, like, an off-shooting year. Yeah. he. Yeah, when Clay Thompson is your weak link, that, that says something about how good you are. He's your weak link, and every other team in the league would give him the max. Yeah, and then not only that, but Omri Caspi is such a good role player on a championship team. We know he only played 14 games last season, but the year before that, for the Kings, he was slinging that wood like he's Dennis Ritchie. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Omri Caspi has the weirdest NBA career. So many teams have let him go and given up on him. I don't understand it. He can dribble. He can create his own shot. He can shoot the three. He can rebound. He's a fine defender. 
Like, we're not Omri Caspi stands. I just don't understand it. The dude could have gotten a deal. Yeah, there's no way that you can argue he is a straight-up bad player. He's good, and he's going to prove it in Golden State, if he hasn't already. You might laugh at them signing Nick Young, but don't, because they signed JaVale McGee, and then JaVale McGee played minutes in the finals. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, Nick just, Young is good at basketball. He's just a dumbass. They're just going to slowly gather players from that old Wizards roster. <laughs> Next year, we're going to see them sign Karan Butler the following year, Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> <laughs> the following year, Anton Jameson. <laughs> exactly. And they drafted Jordan Bell, and I watched the draft with John and another guy who really likes basketball. I don't remember who it was. Oh, it, was it, was, Eric. it was Eric. Oh, Eric. So he doesn't really like basketball. <laughs> but, and, okay, so they drafted Jordan Bell, and just, like, the chagrin on John's face was, it was like, you could feel it. Everyone was hoping, oh, don't, don't let them get Jordan Bell, and then they did. It was back-to-back years. Golden State... <laughs> has perfected pushing my buttons at draft time. <laughs> Last year, I really wanted the Spurs to take Patrick McCaw, and I thought to myself that after they didn't select him, I was glad when Golden State didn't select him, and I was like, okay, at least he's going to go somewhere else. And then they bought an early second rounder to take Patrick McCaw, who I think is going to be a really good player. And then this year... They did the exact same fucking thing. I really wanted Jordan Bell. I was happy with Derek White, but I really wanted Jordan Bell. And then... Who's the asshole that's holding the pick? Chicago. Fuck Chicago. <laughs> yeah, and so after that, I was I was just looking to see where Jordan Bell's going to go. Because I, think, I thought Jordan Bell was like a 20 to 30 pick talent. And then, just my fucking luck, Golden State buys a pick to draft Jordan Bell, and I'm like, how the fuck did we... Jordan Bell, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Jordan Bell shows that he's already good enough to have a role on this championship team and has a game in the playoffs where he makes, like, four key blocks in a game. Like, he is a very, very good rim runner and blocker. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, this team doesn't... They don't need Jordan Bell to do anything, which is the perfect atmosphere for a young player. They need absolutely nothing from him. Yeah, and not only that... They need nothing from Caspi, they need nothing from Young. They just have these extra guys. (laughs) Yeah, and not only that, but... uh, I mean, I guess this goes back to whether or not they'll take it seriously, but Kevin Kevin Durant missed like a month and a half last year. And who knows if that happens again, I'm just going to assume that it's not, but, I mean, they're going to have Kevin Durant for a full year, and they're over the growing pains of adding Kevin Durant last year. Like, they have smoothed everything out. They're easily one of the best teams in NBA history. I, I'm i going over. 67 and a half. I'm going over because I think even if they don't take themselves seriously, they still clear that margin. It wouldn't surprise me if they break their own record of 73 wins this year. So I think that it's pretty clear outside of Minnesota, OKC, and Houston that every other team in the league, except for maybe the Celtics, got a little bit worse. Or maybe... Yeah. Like, the teams that are going to compete at the top of the Eastern and Western Conference. Yeah. And I don't see... Why would the why are the Warriors not go over this? Yeah. Major injury to Curry? Major injury to Durant? I still don't think that that would stop them. I think it's way over 67 games. Yeah. It'll I, be easy. But Steve Kerr, is he going to be healthy enough to coach? That's or true. Or is Mike Brown the coach of this team? Because Mike Brown is historically bad at coach. He really is. <laughs> but, I mean, again, like... Do they really need... Are they dependent on coaching? I mean, I'm not saying that Steve Kerr isn't a great coach, but just with the players they have, I think they can survive off of Mike Brown. I agree. I think that I could be the coach of the Warriors and they would win 70 games next season. 
Yeah, so, uh, any, let's see, who did we disagree on in the West? Let me see, we, we disagreed on Memphis and Minnesota. You went over on both, and I went under on both. Okay. Who are you doubling down on? Uh, Minnesota. If Minnesota doesn't win 50 games, I'll shoot a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'll pick Memphis. I just, I feel like something bad is gonna happen. I feel like things are gonna take a turn for the worse in Memphis. I can see that, and uh, the reason I didn't double down on Memphis is because then I'd have to shit a hot chicken. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh my god. I just want to go to Memphis to try hot chicken. I love hot chicken so much. I think Nashville has better hot chicken, but you guys get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, that about wraps it up. Uh, do you, did you have any takeaway thoughts about doing all these over-unders? Um, I think that it was really fun. Uh, in the future, you can probably expect at least one podcast a week from us. Yeah. This um, is really dense, too. Yeah, so if we lost you in the weeds a little bit, talking about guys like Kyle Wiltshire... <laughs> or Kyle send, Anderson. Send me a check, both of you. <laughs> um, just know that once the NBA season starts, it'll be a little bit less wonky. Yeah. The, the plan is to go over the actual storylines, because right now is the driest time of the year in NBA season, so once things, gets, once things get going, we can actually talk about the headlines going on in the NBA, but we're glad that y'all stuck it out with us doing these over-unders. Um, look out for our website and our Twitter page soon. We don't have the deets on that. Please review this podcast on iTunes. Only if you think it's five stars. <laughs> review it anyway. We'll just delete it if it's bad. <laughs> um, if you live in Charlotte, we're not sorry. Your town is racist. <laughs> it is. Oh my god. Okay, so um, I guess that's about it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, one episode a week from now on. Hopefully going more uh, in-depth on the storylines. We may do some fancy stuff, since fancy drafts are coming around. Um, during our fantasy draft episode, my girlfriend will probably wear her retainer <laughs> and read you some sweet James Harden stats from last season. Oh my god. That'll be our week, one of our weekly segments. <laughs> Christina reads things with her retainer in. <laughs> um, other than that, we were going to occasionally tell you about the best barbecue in Houston. Absolutely. We just re-upped our Big Red supply. We currently have 40 Big Reds <laughs> on the go. Other than that, it's been sweet. Yep, thanks for listening, and watch out for us next week.